Hello, and welcome to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. After an elongated break, thanks to vacation, coronavirus, and other uh, lifeguarding needs, uh, we are back for another podcast here at our traditional studio here at uh, Bryson's Grandpa House. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're laying on a bed today because the couch uh, just wasn't enough for us. Uh, as always, my name is Evan Smoke. I'm your resident fire. Uh, to my right today is our local wise, Bryson Wheeler. Bryson, how are we doing this afternoon? Doing great. Just watching me some golf, watching my boy Bryson DeChambeau about to win another tournament. You heard it here first. Uh, well, while that might not be set in stone, we would like to talk about a couple things. Uh, we're going to open the show uh, after a highly touted uh, NFL Top 100 as they release every year. They uh, had some criticism in the top five. Their top five was <laughs> they should. Michael Thomas fifth, Aaron Donald fourth, uh, pa- no, excuse me, Patty Mahomes fourth, uh, Aaron Donald third, Russell Wilson second, and Lamar Jackson first overall. Uh, while we don't agree with that list, it's not super awful, while it's not great at the same time. Uh, so to start the show today, me and Bryson are going to rank our top five. Pretty basic stuff. You know, just a little introduction to kick things off for the podcast. We're going to start at number five. Bryson, take it away. My number five is the, an absolute lockdown cornerback. You kind of disagree with me, but he's the best cornerback in football, Stephon Gilmore. And while he is the best cornerback in football, to put him at number five seems a stretch in my opinion. Uh, nothing against him. I think he definitely deserves top ten recognition. But top five is just a little too high for my liking. Uh, my fifth, I'm going to go with Julio Jones. Now, Julio Jones was ranked 11th on their list. And while I don't exactly you know, think so, uh, Michael Thomas was fifth in their list. Uh, nothing against Michael Thomas. He is a great pass catcher, runs great routes. you know. But at the end of the day, Julio 101 is a more uh, – how do I say this scary matchup for a cornerback? You know, I bet Stephon Gilmore is way more scared to face Julio Jones than Michael Thomas. Uh, so I have Julio as the number fifth player in the NFL. Uh, fourth? At four, I have Julio Jones, the best wide receiver in football. Uh, I have CMC. Uh, CMC is someone that uh, was ranked sixth on the list, kind of a snub after being, you know, best running back in football last year, outside MVP candidate, uh, number one fantasy player. Uh, CMC is by far, you know, how do I say this? One of the hardest people to tackle in space. He's very uh, nifty, knows how to get around, knows how to run the ball fast. Uh, the Panthers really have, you know, their future in CMC. Yeah. And at number three, I have Christian McCaffrey. And who's your three? My three is Lamar Jackson, the number one player in NFL. I've got Lamar at three. Uh, listen, he doesn't have a lot. He's the reigning MVP, though. Uh, he is... The most athletic quarterback that I have ever seen since Michael Vick. Phenomenal runner, but when you're 26, then passing offense, I ain't putting you that yeah, high. Yeah, but in his defense, outside of Hollywood Brown, who was a rookie last year, who else does he have to throw the ball to? Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews only showed up last year. That was his first big explosive season. Give him the opportunity this year. you know. And I might be wrong with Lamar at three, but I think Lamar at three is a safe pick you know, going into this 2020 uh, NFL season. And then we have the same top two. We have Aaron Donald at two and Patrick Mahomes at one. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple to have Aaron Donald at two. He's the best defensive player in the game right now. Uh, he's an absolute monster. You know, Depending on who you line up at center or guard, he's going to get through you. You know, He's almost guaranteed a sack a game. You know, He's that type of pass rusher. Uh, and then Patrick Mahomes, you know, at 24, he's got a Super Bowl ring and MVP and a Finals MVP. And, oh, now he's owning the Royals on a part-time job with his half-a-billion-dollar contract. 
and he owns the 49ers too, so yeah. it's two teams. After the Super Bowl, you can already claim him as a minority owner in the 40, 49ers franchise as well. That's just a little nice uh, opener to talk about. Uh, we'll bridge that into uh, some of the new things. You know, coronavirus has halted sports for a long time, but over the past week or so, we're starting to see, you know, college football start heating up. NFL training camps begin. Uh, MLB played their first game last week after you know, their summer camp series. The NBA starts tonight. There's a lot of great things that we get to cover here at Fire and Ice Sports that get to restart, and we're going to be here covering it all. Uh, so right now, let's talk about the MLB restart. Um, Bryson, you're a baseball fanatic. Let's start with you. How do you feel about the restart so far? I and mean, I think it's going good outside of the Marlins, you know, little outbreak they have. Well, the but. Phillies now have two people tested positive as well, the staffers at Citizen Bank Park. Citizens Bank Park has been bared from hosting games anytime soon as well. But it's kind of like Rob Manford said. We expected this to happen. They didn't expect to have zero cases coming into it. And we've had some cases. They've handled it well outside of the Marlins. And they can't play right now because there's like 18 combined players and staff members who have it. And they're just having to wait and play till they get better or something. It'll be interesting to see how Manford and the rest of the MLB, you know, administration, you know, uses, like, do they make up to these games? Do they forfeit these games? Do they take these games out of consideration for the Marlins? The Marlins are terrible. They should just tell them to wait till next year. We'll give you the number one overall pick if you don't complain. And that's not an awful idea, but, you know, the Marlins want to play. So, you know, you've got to figure out a way for them to safely, you know, rejoin the league, you know, as the season progresses. But let's talk about the Braves. The Braves are 3-3 three and three or 4-2? 3-3. Three 3-3. And three. Three and three. We're at 500 right now. Uh, we had a great help last night when Nick Markakis announced that he was going to opt back into the season after being reinstated from the restricted list. Uh, Markakis is going to be someone I think can help the Braves a lot, you know, playing defense and hitting with Ozuna now moving out of the out of the defensive formation into a DH. Uh, kind of sucks for Matt Adams, who, who I wouldn't say has had a phenomenal first six games, but he's played pretty well. He's got some decent hits, you know, big time. Sometimes we need a big country's a great player. I, I love the signing when we went and got him, you know, after Washington let him go this past offseason. Uh, but the key thing about the Braves right now, there's two things hurting them, and that's strikeouts and not, and leaving runners on base. Well, and your three, four, and five pitchers in the rotation. Yeah. So outside of Max Fried and Mike Soroka, you have nobody who has solidified anything. Now, Cole Hamels is going to be back soon, and Kyle Wright looked really good the first two innings of the other night and then just fell apart in third. So you have some people who can take over those roles, but mm-hmm. nobody who has yet. I'd like to see Tukey get a shot at a start, but that's just my personal opinion. I'm not saying that he could do it. He probably will this week. But, I mean, in the in the climate and the atmosphere that we have after DFAing of Mike Fultonevich, which we'll talk about that in a second, I think you've got to put, you know, Tukey at least for a start until you can find somebody, unless you're going to roll with Chad Saboka. But, it's Sabotka, I'm sorry. But... With that all being said, the MLB has done a pretty phenomenal restart so far. You know, outside of the Marlins, the teams, they've gone well. Games are good. Now, there's no fans, but a lot of the cutouts, you know, kind of add something. Wrigley Field the other day when the Chicago Cubs had CGI, you know, MLB the show fans. Quote, that was unquote. so weird to see on TV. You know, so there's things that that people are trying to put into these broadcasts to make it more enjoyable for fans like ourselves at home. But uh, let's talk about the Fultonevich DFA. Uh, he pitched awful in the scrimmage against the Marlins, allowed three straight home runs, and he practically did the same thing the other night. 
you know, who do we play? The was it? Would he pitch versus the Rays or the Mets? The Rays. It was the first game against the Rays, correct? Fourteen to six loss. Yeah, it was an awful loss after a big win over the Mets the night before. So, um, Snicker had to make the tough decision in a short season DFA, Mike Fultonevich. And we're not here to comment on it, but there's talks of, you know, maybe some possible drug abuse, you know, affecting him. You know, something with the velocity and, you know, his pitch, his speed, his velocity, you know, his pitch distribution, it's not the same as it once was. So, you know, Fulte needs some serious help, whether that is, to, you know, get signed by another team, uh, go back to the taxi squad in the net. There's something that Fultonevich needs to do on a mechanical level to fix before he can pitch in the majors again. When you see, that's the thing why some people are kind of thinking it may be something with drugs or something else. Maybe just not eating right and working out right. Who knows? But I've heard that there are no mechanical issues. Like, his mechanics look the exact same from last year to this year. The uh, Two years ago when he was an all-star, looked the exact same. And that's the thing that's just fishy. You don't go from throwing 98 to 100 to... 88 to 90 without something being wrong i mean i'm a pitcher myself and i've never went down that far if i ever had a bad day just in velocity is because i was just trying to locate but it's still i wouldn't lose but three or four miles per hour so something's just off i don't know what i hope he can find it whether it's with us or somebody else i wish him the best but we've got to solidify three four and five starter and like i said cole hamels is probably going to be one of those guys but you've still got two more spots to fill. And you've got Chad Sabatka, you know, coming in from the taxi squad in the net. You've got Tukey in the bullpen. You've got Newcomb. You know, you've got Kyle Wright. There's options. You know, I'm to ready fill. to see Ian Anderson. Yeah, I don't know if it's this early, but I imagine at some point this shortened season you're going to see Ian pitch games. I agree. I'm I don't ready know to if see be. what he can do. And now if, if Sabatka comes up and he's not the guy and Tukey doesn't pitch well, I think that's the time to go get him. But there will be a couple, you know, more people that's ahead in line at the knocking order that will get a chance before I think we give Ian Anderson the ball in a major league game. Great to see Philip Pfeiffer, too. He had a great year last year. I think it was with Mississippi, and he had like a 207 ERA something really good. Great to see him come up. Yeah, and that's uh, anything else in the baseball world you want to comment outside of the Joe Kelly incident? <laughs> Please free Joe Kelly. He did nothing wrong. <laughs> the, the fact that an eight-game suspension, which is a correlation to a 22-game suspension in a regular season, you know, after he plunked, you know, the cheating Astros, who practically everyone has done, you know, only to taunt Correa just because he was bad-mouthing him back. I think this is a ridiculous and an utter embarrassment on Manford and the rest of the MLB administration. I mean, the fact that Joe Kelly, who's literally doing what we're all thinking, you know, he was just bold enough to do it, you know, for him to be, you know, suspended eight games in this short season for it is absolutely ridiculous. That's over 10% of the games, you know, so... Why it may not be the greatest thing, I think it is better, you know, for them to re- to lift or at least shorten Joe Kelly's suspe- uh, suspension. But that's above my pay grade. I'm just a journalist, not an administrator. All right, so let's move on to the basketball world. Yeah, uh, after a long-awaited, you know, since March 13th, the NBA's been suspended after Rudy Gobert tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, we've waited, you know, they've been in quarantine down in Orlando in this bubble at Disney World. Uh, they've done scrimmages and ballrooms. They've had practices, you know, in you know, in banquet halls. But now, after a long wait, HP Arena gets to host tonight uh, the NBA restart. Bryson, how excited are you for this? Like, do you think this will work? I do think it'll work. I mean, they're in a bubble. If people can follow by the rules, like, the virus should not affect them. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that it's going to work. It's going to be good basketball, and we'll see starting tonight. Yeah, I think the bubble is the best plan of any uh, league right now, and I think NBA right now is having – I think NBA, bar none, is the best-run professional sports league in America right now. Now, I know you don't agree with all the social justice reforms and all that that they're doing right now, and, you know, that's for another point. But the bubble, you know, Adam Silver has worked tirelessly to look after his player. He listens to his players. You know, they're creating this bubble to keep security. You know, they're doing the. It's not like an authority, like the NFL and the MLB. Like, Manfred and Goodell both have authority over its players. Silver, while he does have this authority, listens to them, and they work cohesively hand-in-hand. You know, so I think that has created this, you know, sense of, security between that agreement between the players and Adam Silver and his staff with Mark Tatum and the rest of the deputy commissioners. commissioners. So with the NBA research tonight, I think we have Jazz Pelicans at 6 o'clock with the Battle of L.A. Uh, Lakers Clippers tonight at 10. Uh, how do you feel about both of these games? I mean, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have had problems in the past, you know, because of the COVID thing. And, you know, the Pelicans, they're trying to run for that eight seeds. They're try- Listen, the NBA, no matter what they say, is going to try to push – Zion and the Pelicans into that eighth seed so they can have Zion. That's the only versus reason LeBron. why they expanded it to mm-hmm. twenty two teams. And I and I think there. so. I'm, they're trying to force Zion to play LeBron in the opening round for market ratings. And I don't I don't blame them for doing that, but at the same time, when you look at Memphis's death schedule over the next eight games and you look at the Pelicans cakewalk outside of tonight versus the Jazz, it's kind of unbi it's kind of biased in the favor of the Zion, you know, hype train. So, with that being said, my bets for tonight is I think you're going to see the Jazz catch up a victory on the Pelicans. I think they're going to bounce back, you know, after the whole coronavirus, uh, you know, debacle. And I think tonight you'll see a highly contested game. I'm going to call the Clippers winning in the last minute, but if the Lakers win, I would not be surprised either. Well, I'm going to go with the Jazz and... Lakers, but I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that the Pelicans are overrated. Lonzo Ball is no good. Uh, <laughs> Zion Williamson is going to be really good, but he is not there yet. And Brandon, Brandon Ingram right now is by far their best player. Oh, I agree. Brandon Ingram has to be the most improved leading candidate, I believe, in the NBA right now. Lonzo Ball is finding a shot, contrary to belief, and I don't know if he'll play like it, but I think he can He's still awful. in this bubble. Zion has shedded his fat that he had all first half of the season because of his knee injury. He is a he is in the best condition in his NBA career. He's done nothing but practice and build chemistry with his team since this lockdown. The Pelicans are going to be a dangerous team. However, I just don't know, you know if they can catch the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies are not bad in their own right. I mean, with John Morant, Brandon Clark – uh, J- Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, they've got a couple other players, you know, coming off the bench for them. This is a very formidable team, you know, in Grind City with the Grizzlies. So that'll be an interesting race. And don't forget Portland, too. Portland's got Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum with Joseph Nurich, you know, trying to c- head back, too. And, you know, never count out Damian Lillard. I mean, when it's Dame time, he's probably easily one of the top three best players in the NBA when it's Dame time. Not all the time, but when it's Dame time, it's a very hard contest to stop Damian Lillard. So that'll be an interesting storyline to follow over these next eight, you know, play-in games, quote-unquote. And if you care anything about golf, my boy Bryson DeChambeau just had an eagle to take the lead. Just like I told y'all, he's going to win this tournament. It's Thursday. There's three more days, guys. <laughs> y'all just calm down over there. Uh, just to remind you of a bet, we made this bet before even the bubble plans were created, but the bet is still on. Uh, there's 22 teams right now in Orlando. Bryson said he would take the city of L.A. with the Clippers and Lakers to win it all. I said, give me the rest of the field. 
So while he does have the two best team, I have 20 chances to win this thing. So what I'm hearing is odds are I'm winning. But beside the point, there's $20 on the line. Uh, my money is still on the Celtics or the Bucks, you know, to bring it home. The Nuggets are not a bad team, so look at them. The and Speaking of the Nuggets, can we talk about the absolute behemoth of a lineup that they ran the other day? I mean, they ran Jokic at point guard, Bobo, Paul Millsap. The best Millsap, center in the league. Bobo, Paul Millsap. Who else was in that lineup? Jeremy Grant and someone else. It was like all forwards playing, you know. So that'll be an interesting lineup to see if they continue with that. Do they run this all-forward lineup throughout Orlando, or is that just a fun scrimmage gimmick? Oh, but Evan's definitely, definitely going to learn, don't bet sports with me. I helped Noah Hall win $30 last night, so just I know the NBA forwards and backwards ten times more than you. I know when a team, and there's nothing wrong with the Lakers and Clippers, but you've already got Lou Williams out for, you know, a couple playing games. Oh, boo-hoo, playing games. They're already in. You know, you know Kawhi is going to load manage. You know LeBron is going to load manage. They do it every year. Now, here's another thing. Both of these players, LeBron, you know, and his older age, and Kawhi with his bad knees, they're going to have to play however many games and how like how many games there's so at least six at least sixteen right if they swept everything it's sixteen games okay and at most you're probably looking at let's see eight 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 thirty two days so not they're not going to sweep every game so they're going to have to play a lot of Lakers games may. either back 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 to back excuse me or you know two out of three or three out of four you know there's going to be there's going to be tight crunches. And Anthony Davis, who is rocking Kareem goggles, which scares me, I will say that. You know, Anthony and, you know, Jabul Davis is a formidable foe. Uh, I'm still going to take the field. You know, there's something that sits with me that I just don't trust the Lakers and the Clippers. And the good thing about the NBA is it's West-East. So only one of them teams can make it to the finals. You're right, but both of them are going to be in the Western Conference Finals, so I'm going to have... One of them in the championship, mm-hmm. so I have a fifty percent right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I've you got, also but do too. I was about to say I've got a fifty percent chance regardless because I have the field. I, I, I didn't take two teams, but beside the point, the NBA research is tonight. I'm very excited for it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'll get to watch the Jazz Pelicans because I'm you know a busy individual, but I think tonight I'm definitely going to have to sit down and watch the Lakers clips. You know, in HP Arena down at ESPN's Wild World Sports. Oh, yeah, I think we need to cancel any plans, cancel going to the stadium, whatever we're going to do tonight with our friends, just watch basketball. Sounds like a great idea. Now, let's talk, let's comment on the barn fire that is the college football world right now. Uh, Since we've last talked, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have come out and said they're going to play conference-only schedules. That means you can only play someone in your conference. The ACC came out yesterday and said they were going to do a 10-1. You get 10 conference games with Notre Dame joining the ACC for this season only. So they're going to be included in this with a chance to win an ACC championship. You know, imagine if Notre Dame, who's not even in the conference, won an ACC championship. That would uh, be absurd. And then the one game has to, can be a non-conference game, but it has to be with someone in your state. So people like Clemson and Florida State and Georgia Tech could keep their rivalries. However, the SEC has not announced any formal plans, but the leading plan right now is a 10-game conference-only slate. So with that being said, you would have no Georgia-Georgia Tech, no Florida-Florida State, no Florida-Miami, no South Carolina-Clemson. Uh, A lot of these state rivalries that get played every year at Rivalry Week would be gone. So it would be interesting to see how 
how the SEC matches up with the ACC. Do they follow suit with that one game out of conference, or do they hold fast like the Big Ten and the Pac-12? Now, nobody's really commented on the Big 12, but who really gives a crap? Bryson, how do you feel about this scheduling you know, madness that's happening right now in NCAA? I don't like it. I mean, if they're going to do something like that, I think the 10 game with one out of conference would be the best because, like you said, Florida, Florida State could still play. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, South Carolina, teams like that, they can still play their rival and also play 10 in-conference games, which I think is probably better than having the four out-of-conference games like they usually play because, I mean, when they play four out-of-conference games, two to three of them are just absolute cupcakes. Yeah, of course. Be like Florida playing me and you. Yeah. I mean, Georgia this year loses outside of the Virginia game, which, I mean, wasn't going to be a great game, but it was still a decent, you know, game in Atlanta to begin the season. We lose Arkansas State and East Tennessee State, so we didn't really lose any, you know, power punch games. Now, we still get to go to Tuscaloosa week three if the schedule stays intact. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how they open the season now with Virginia not being able to play. And at the end of the year, if we can't play Georgia Tech, you know, that'll also be an open date that – uh teams can go we kind of talked about this off air uh the speculation right now is if the sec goes to a 10 game conference only georgia would pick up the mississippi state bulldogs and the arkansas razorbacks and florida would pick up the arkansas razorbacks and the texas a&m now poor arkansas picks up georgia and florida and i bet sam Pittman's over there punching his fist in the air right now him and felipe franks i was about to say him and felipe franks thought they could you know they were going to go through the dev conflict of the whip but also let's pick up the two best teams in the east too you know mind you so that'll be interesting to see, but um, it, I think it, I think it would be good for Greg Sankey, you know, for him to allow these, you know, rivalry matchups to still happen and do the same thing the ACC's done. Do the one game, but it has to be in state. That way, it forces Georgia to play Georgia Tech. It forces Florida to play Florida State or Miami. It forces, you know, South Carolina to play Clemson. Now, if you're in Alabama, I don't know what you do with that. Who do you play? Do you play South Alabama? Do you play Troy? Do you play UAB? You know, same thing in Mississippi. There's only one other you know, non-conference game in Mississippi, and that's Miss Southern Miss. Who else are you going to play? A D2 school in Delta State? So, I mean, and LSU's got to choose between, you know, Louisiana Tech, UNL Monroe, Louisiana Lafayette. There's a lot of things. Now, A&M gets deployed because they could play Texas, Texas Tech, somebody like that. Baylor. Baylor, you know, another, you know, a Big 12 AAC school. But there's some... I would, how do I say it? Some SEC schools are landlocked, you know, where it helps them, and some are not. You know, Tennessee, too. Who is Tennessee going to play? Middle Tennessee State? I mean, it helps Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, but it doesn't help the other 11 schools, you know, there, in, or A&M, too. But there's half, over half of the schools would have a hard time finding that non-conference Power 5 game. Now, they could find one, I imagine, but depending, finding the Power 5 game – would be a little more tough for, you know, schools outside of the Deep South. Um, Bryson, any comments, concerns, wishes, questions as we head off for the day? Nope. I just hope the Braves can find them in 3 4 5 because if we don't, we're going to be in trouble. I agree. Uh, with that being said, everybody stay safe. You know, coronavirus is still a decent problem. It's kind of, I wouldn't say it's coming down, but we're starting to, you know, get better tests, better vaccines. You know, a vaccine is in work somewhere in Oxford University, I believe. So that'll be something that'll help us going forward. Um, With that all being said, I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you guys for listening as always. Uh, This has been Fire and Ice. And how do we usually end the show, Bryson? Go Braves. Go Braves.